Happy Friday, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Coppernall Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Alicia Priest, president of the OEA. Fried Okra is a weekly podcast where we get together to talk about public education issues in Oklahoma. We hope you'll join us every Friday. Well, we are joined today by the illustrious Ellen Pogamiller from our legislative and political organizing team. Ellen, how are you? I am doing well. It's sunshiny today, so that makes me so happy. It's delightful. <laughs> um, well, we have got several things we wanted to visit with you about today. There's a lot happening on the state level and a lot going on on the local level for many districts. So let's start with a uh, big picture. Um, what is the legislative session is starting in like 10 minutes from now? Yes. <laughs> yeah, we will be kicking off February 1st, so that's easy to remember, and um, yesterday was bill filing deadline, so that we had the most measures um, ever filed. Oh, because there's so much to do in the middle of a pandemic oh. that we have to have all the bills, all the bills, and so set a record. Yes, three thousand forty-five. Oh my gosh! And ten percent of them were about Bigfoot. Yes, Bigfoot's <laughs> you know a big issue. It's it's not real a real issue. Um, we says no, who. <laughs> There's a lot of, you know, in 3,045 bills, unfortunately, you're going to find a lot of bills that are sparkly and funny and interesting, but not real practical and not really impactful. So how do you guys, I mean, how, like, for, for... Our members, how do you guys as the legislative team even sort through those things? Like, tell it, talked about the process of like, it just feels like a mountain to climb. It is a mountain to climb. So there are four of us on our team. And so what we first do is go through every single bill and identify all bills with kind of an education component. Mm-hmm. It starts with our you know higher ed students, our student teachers who are going through all the way to retirees. Um, and when including we, budget bills. Oh, including budget bills, all of those because it, because those affect, yeah, you know uh, how we're funded. Yes. So funding, anything that falls within that realm, yeah. we are putting a track on that bill. Um, and then we go through and we read through all of those bills that we track, um, re- like with a fine tooth comb, you yeah. know, and just try to figure out, all right, what is the impact on that legislation on our students, on our educators, support yeah. staff, all of those. And then, you know, try to figure out, all right, so here's where it's going. And then the way it fortunately works for us is once those bills are tracked, if we, um, the way the legislation works is that those 3,045 bills will go to Senate Majority Leader Kim David and House Majority Floor Leader John Eccles. And what they do is they assign those bills to committees. Okay. And so once the legislative team have identified bills that we think are the most important and care most about, we watch to see where those bills land in committee. Yeah. And then our role is to work with the committee members and work with our members to talk to their committee members because yeah. it's way more impactful to hear from your members but um and try to figure out how do we you know kill that bill or how do we ensure that that bill goes to the next step and you guys are already talking with lawmakers oh we are already talking with lawmakers one of the cool things actually we did this year is we had 22 new legislators and we thought this is an opportunity in january to meet through Zoom, because we have such a unique platform this year, right. through Zoom, we can ask a legislator to meet with a small group of our members 
and just talk about issues that we are concerned about yeah. and also have an opportunity for the legislator to lay out what their agenda is this year yeah. and build trust um, in our educators so that if a legislator had a question and education isn't their issue, who can they reach out to to ask, hey, I read this bill and I'm not really sure how it's going to impact you in the classroom. Yeah. And so we ask all 22 new legislators to meet with our members and we were able to schedule 14 in January. That's great. Um, Especially at a busy time and a weird time. And a I mean, weird time. Yeah. So folks, and I, the other folks you'll tackle Yes. Yeah. In the streets. Yes. In the streets. With our I, mask on. I'm not sure how lobbying works. <laughs> well, and, and I will say, I've been in three of those meetings, and I leave every time being, one, impressed with our members, but also I feel like we have built a positive relationship, and we've built trust. Yeah. And ultimately, yeah. that's what it's all about. If yeah. legislators trust you know, our members and trust, you know, that their heart is ensuring that kids have the best access to education. Yes. That trust is going to go so far. Right. Because that's, I mean, at the end of the day, you talk, you talk to good teachers and that's what it's about. Yeah. And, and it, it becomes not about sort of like, oh, you know, this group versus that group or whatever you realize, okay, we're all here for kids. This is the real deal. I mean, it's just like Jim Fay love and logic that we use in the classroom. You have to put into that emotional uh, checking account so that later on when you have disagreements, you can make withdrawals. Mm -hmm. We have to do that with our legislators because writing a letter to them saying you obviously don't care about kids. Oh, man. um, Is not is not the good, you know, intro that you want to have. You want to have built that relationship and talk to them about more issues so that when there is a break in policy uh, beliefs, that you can you can continue to talk through it, yeah, and, and hopefully sway them. I, I will also say educators somehow are connected to every legislator. <laughs> They've taught their kids, right? Taught their kids. <laughs> yes. I mean, it is like it is like you know the room of one degree of separation, <laughs> right? Right. Let me tell you, growing up in a small town, being the child of a teacher, everyone knows. Everyone knows your mom Mm -hmm. and everyone knows your aunt and your uncle. And like everybody knows, like, yeah, you can't escape. There's no escaping. Imagine Kenna. Yeah. I mean, my 17 year old, she cannot. She's somewhere rolling her eyes right now. She'll be with me and they'll be like, oh, I've watched you grow up. And she's like, creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. Um, So let's, let's kind of switch gears to, uh, Local level. We've got school board elections, some coming up February 9th, a ton coming up in April. So um, what kind of, ad- what is advocacy looking like right now for for that level? Because school board elections are so important to how your school district yes. runs. So important. Um, so we, you know, at OEA have different caucuses. We have the Republican caucus and the Democratic caucus. And this summer we worked with our Republican caucus outreaching to Republican members throughout um, the state to mm-hmm. find out kind of what issues matter. Mm-hmm. And then over the winter, we worked with our Democratic caucus who really identified school board elections as a key thing that they would like members to get involved with. School board elections are unique because they're nonpartisan. You're, you don't run as a Republican or a it. Democrat. I love it. So um, what we have learned is that this year 
on February 9th will be a school board election if you have three or more members. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to, re- if you don't receive 50% of the vote, it goes into a runoff. Right. Um, if you have two members or a runoff, um, those elections happen April 6th. So the Democratic caucus really sat down and said, okay, what are ways that our members can learn about school board members and how will it look different during the pandemic? Mm-hmm. And so they really honed in on this idea of creating a Google form that um, we would put out to all of our members and members could open it up and edit it and send it out to their school board members. So um, we'll do a blog on that so members can know kind of like, what does that look like? And, you know, um, and how can we access that information? And again, it's just kind of a, it's a Google form and you could, delete most of it or you could add to it yeah depending on what issues your members care most about no water just had a um forum for their people running for school oh, board. that's great so i mean you know we know that districts are doing this locals are doing this for their districts and we know that that board position is important uh we're partners with voice and they are doing a um a forum uh, for the president of the Oklahoma City Public Schools Board of Education. So, uh, so I mean, when I think about it, when I think about school boards, and you know, our state is is, is all different. We've got three member, five member, seven member. Member Oklahoma City is eight, um, because why? But um, we, uh, when you think about like changing the group dynamic, it's so much different than the legislature. You know, in the legislature, you've got political caucuses. There are so many members. Even the Senate has 48. But when you've got five people and everybody's, you know, working on the same team, and if you elect somebody who's really good or you can replace someone who's, you know, not as helpful, that's a big deal for a school district. I mean, that is, that's some major change you can accomplish. Good progress. Um, because it's it's a small group of people and it's nonpartisan. I mean, that's yeah. it's what I love about it. There's no, you don't have to have, you know, factions and coalitions and you know party line votes and that kind of stuff. And and I love that the that members are advocating in this way. It's so it's so important to their daily lives. And it's important to note that everyone on the school board should be running for the betterment of all children. Yes, in their area. Yes. Uh, not for a specific cause. We talked to Sean Heim, the uh, executive director of the State School Boards Association, several weeks ago, months yeah. ago, really, um, and Time, and talked knows? about how important that 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 is. That yeah. you don't run because you're holding a grudge against a coach and you want to try and get them fired. But what if we really don't like that coach? I know, right? No, but I, yeah. But, but you're running for the betterment of of the future of america really i mean that's that should be your impetus well the you can can find this okea.org um on the blog there on the homepage. find that and check it out i would i strongly recommend that people do that i think that's such a great idea and if they have questions or and if they're interested um like alicia said in having some kind of forum and any of our lpo staff would be happy to kind of like run through what that process would look like with them um, and maybe just even, you know, go over any of the questions they have questions about. Or if you've never done Google Forms and you panic because you want to do a questionnaire but don't know how to change it, call us. Yeah. yeah. We'll we can help, help you. you with all the things. We can help you with all the things. Man, but right now it's like, I know that it's a weird time uh, for so many reasons. But like, but right now you don't have to find a venue. You don't have to 
put out snacks. Like you can just have a Zoom meeting and just talk to people about what they care about and why they want to be on the school board. I mean, it's a great time to to start that. I mean, gosh, I just think it's such a good idea. So, well, thank you, Ellen, for all of the great info. Lots happening right now. And I know that you guys are busy reading 75,000 bills. Um, <laughs> and what? 75,000. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, we will, we, we want to have you back to talk about those bills. I'm sure there will be a lot. So keep us up to date on what's going on. And, and we need our folks to read their legislative updates, and those come out every Saturday morning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Spoiler alert, Bigfoot is in tomorrow's. <laughs> That's true. I'm sorry. Well, one of our staff today is wearing a Bigfoot shirt, well, so see. it cracks me up. <laughs> well, thank you so much, y'all. Good to chat. Well, today we're going to visit with Elizabeth Suddeth from the Oklahoma State Department of Education. Elizabeth, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you all doing? Great. Um, Elizabeth, you are the Executive Director of Prevention Services for SDE. And um, we wanted to we wanted to talk to you about the Trauma Summit coming up. But before we get to that, uh, tell us a little bit about what Prevention Services does. Yeah, so I'm very excited in our office that we are able to provide so many resources to Oklahoma schools and districts and educators directly. Um, so really in prevention services, we focus on providing resources around bullying prevention, substance abuse prevention, suicide prevention, as well as teen uh, violence prevention. Wow. Um, so we have a lot of resources that we're able to provide. We also have our school climate team within mm -hmm. this office. And we do full systemic programs um, in which we actually work one-on-one -on -one coaching schools how to go through a school climate transformation. Um, wow. So it is the best part about my job is I exist just as a resource for schools. Um, so anybody can reach out to our team and we are more than happy to help either provide training or curriculum or just statistics or just some simple um, conversations to have with students. So we have a wide range of services that we're able to offer. That is awesome. Well, you know, I bet the average teacher doesn't even know half of what the State Department of Education does and offers as resources. And and that's why podcasts like this are so important. It's all there. It's for you. I, this is yeah. tax dollars at work. That's, that is for you. Um, so Talk, so talk to us about the, the trauma summit that you all have coming up. This is your fourth one, correct? Yes. So this is our fourth summit that we have coming up. And we were really mindful around what are we going to name this summit? And that's where awareness to action came from. Mm -hmm. um, so if you attended our previous summits, you know, there was a lot about brain science and ACEs and mm -hmm. trauma. And what does that mean for students in our state? So we really were able to raise the awareness and really focus on how do we um, interact with students who've experienced trauma and just knowing that this is what's happening for so many students in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. um, so that was really the, the um, idea behind those first summits. And now we, after so much feedback that we've had, we realize we need to give some action steps. We need to give right. some actual tools. So that's where the awareness to action came from. Um, so with this conference, we are it's almost kind of that moving into the next phase. 
Um, so we're going to open with our keynote, who is Heather Forbes, and she is an incredible speaker, if you've never uh, seen Heather before. And she's going to kind of be the opening and do a little recap over trauma-informed and what does that mean. Um, and then we will move to a second keynote that we actually start talking about a multi-tiered system of support. And then in the afternoon, we're going to have sessions around how do you build up a multi-tiered system of support or an MTSS. Um, and how that is the best way to respond to have a trauma-informed framework in your school. Amazing um, lineup there. It is, it, it's one thing to know about childhood trauma. Sure. It's, it's quite another thing to be able to recognize it in the classroom and be able to change your mindset and your um, processes to help the students uh, as you see them going through trauma um, in your classroom. So uh, it, it sounds like an amazing agenda. W will you be um, recording so that, so that other teachers who couldn't log on d can go and, and watch it and learn? Yes, of course. So we were very mindful about um, selecting February 15th. We know that that is a holiday. And for some schools, that is a professional development day. Mm -hmm. But some teachers just have the day off. So we want to make sure um, that we do record all of these sessions, that anybody can go back and watch these and build, um, especially the afternoon sessions. They are all going to build upon each other. So we know that not everybody can attend every session at once. So being able to go back and use this as a resource um, to build up your own trauma-informed toolkit is really um, how these afternoon sessions are going to exist. So yes, as long as people do register uh, for the event, then they will have access to our conference page and they can go back and watch all of our sessions that we will have. That's great. So, so you know, talk about there. there's, for folks who might not be as aware or might not be in the classroom right now, um, Talk about what, how does trauma manifest in a school? How does that manifest in a classroom? How does it manifest in, in, a, in an entire building? Yes, and what, I mean, a, a great time to really focus on trauma um, mm. and what our entire country is going through right now. The level of stress yes. even just with students is at an all-time high yes. um, just for what we are all experiencing and, you know, the, um, the inconsistencies that, that students are experiencing right now. So we know we can see trauma manifest in a lot of different ways. Um, so it can either be the child who has a really high emotions, really hysterical, or mm. um, maybe some behavior concerns, but it can also be the child who's really numb and withdrawn. Yeah. Um, so we, in our trainings, we definitely go through different steps of what are physical manifestations, what are um, emotional or behavioral um, ind indications that we're seeing with children who are experiencing this, because mm -hmm. there's a wide range um, of behaviors that we see of how uh, children cope with trauma, especially a child who has dealt with chronic trauma. Their sure. brain is forming, you know, in this chronic state of stress. So how the brain has been able to develop regulation skills is really based on their environment and what they've been taught. So if students haven't been taught how to deal with this stress or have some appropriate regulation skills, that's oftentimes when we see those behaviors trickle over into the classroom and into the school building. I mean, in 
So I'm, uh, I've had childhood trauma and, um, I won't share my ACE score, but, uh, but, um, in fourth grade, I just stopped doing any work. Yeah. I was a straight A student mm-hmm. and went to all F's. Mm-hmm. And luckily I had a teacher recognize that something was going on. I was also new to that school. Mm. And so it took them a little while to, you know, to figure things out. But if it weren't for the teachers recognizing um, that mm-hmm. there was obviously something going on outside right. of the classroom, then I, I wouldn't be where I am today because my 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 dad and stepmom certainly didn't, you know, recognize any of that. They didn't recognize that I wasn't going to school every Monday. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, was, I mean, seriously. I was magically sick every Monday. Seriously. I mean, you know, right. um, so it, it it's so important to get teachers training and to get them not just aware, but to, to be able to act. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I mean, I think that is one of my biggest passionate statements when I go through these trainings is, and that's really where I get, um, just so engaged with this work. It is something that I am so passionate about because exactly like you said, what research tells us is it takes one adult. It doesn't take an entire state or entire team of people. It takes one adult just to recognize and know how to act um, and have that, those action steps to get that child help and change the entire trajectory of their life. Um, So oftentimes in trainings, I I share a similar story of how ACEs and really high ACE scores were broken generationally in my family. Mm. So I went from a parent with a really high ACE score to um, not having a high ACE score myself, me or my brother. And that's often a story that I, I share when we go through our trainings, just because it shows how powerful being an educator is. You know, students are spending the most time outside of their homes in our classrooms. Um, So we have that time and we really can be that second layer defense for children who are experiencing this and really be that one adult that can step up in their lives and completely change their path. But that can also be really scary um, as an educator if you don't feel equipped to do that. So making sure that our teachers and our administrators know what does that take and that it's a full system shift. It's a full training shift. And how do we just know who to reach out to? We don't have to give every single resource to that student, but just knowing how we connect that student to get them to those next steps is something that is just so powerful. You know, Alicia's comments coupled with what you said, it made me think about that, that there will be many educators, there are many of us that bring our own ACE scores to this kind of training. Um, what um, what do you want to, to say to folks who this might be intimidating for them? This might be, this might be hard for them to, to go through this training. I'm so glad you asked that question because I think that is one of the very first steps we have to recognize when we're talking about trauma-informed um, schools is that we have a lot of educators who are sitting also with a lot of trauma. Um, There's a lot of going on and it can be really triggering to see a student that you care so much about going through some similar experiences. So we have built in um, sessions in the afternoon to identify that not only secondary trauma, um, but really working through self-care of how do you 
um, work through some of those own life experiences that mm-hmm. you've had. But how do you manage that when you're in a classroom and seeing this happen again? Mm-hmm. How do we make sure we have some of those self-regulation skills for teachers? I'm very passionate about getting, um, you know, we can't create change unless we feel like we, as teachers and as educators, are equipped to do that. And yes. if we're not even mentioning the high amount of A scores within teachers, then we're almost setting up for failure in that aspect. It has to be the very first thing that we look at. I mean, there are, there are uh, so many teachers that I've met, and I like, and I'm and I'm not trivializing this. I'm I'm dead serious. There's so many teachers I've met who are teachers because they were saved by a teacher. Yeah, I mean, yeah. people who are that's why. They chose education yeah. because they want to be that person because there was a teacher who was that person for them. I'm, I don't mean to get emotional. I'm just <laughs> and, and they recognize the importance yeah. of that. Yeah. So, I mean, this is yeah. this is a big deal for them. I mean, it's a big deal for all of us, you know. So, yes. And it's and it's really hard to know. Now, I, I mentioned that, um, you know, I did have a lower A score and that it was a teacher who broke that generational trauma mm. for our family. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I had trauma later in life, so it's yeah. not necessarily just ACEs. Right. We want teachers, right. to, we want all of the profession to focus on, you know, all experience trauma in their life. Yeah. And when I went into the classroom for the first time and I had a triggering experience to um, some trauma that I had had, mm. it was mind-blowing after just the way that I felt. And I yeah. uh, went to a training one time and they described it as learning how to put on your hard hat. How do you learn wow. what your triggers are and how do you learn to put on your hard hat going into a room full of triggers sometimes? Yeah. Um, so that is really kind of the basis, recognizing that you are having the experience. How am I going to protect myself in this moment? Right. And how am I going to move forward of, you know, getting this child help as well? Right. Um, so it's a long, it is definitely a long learning process to get there. This is such an important topic and, and such an important opportunity. Mm-hmm. So when is the trauma summit and how can people sign up to go? Yes. Yeah, so our trauma summit is on Monday, February 15th. It will start at 8.30 with a um, introduction from Superintendent Hoffmeister. And then after that, we will move into our first keynote. And then the conference will go until 3 p.m. That's when we will wrap right. up all the keynotes and the sessions. We do have a lunch prov- or an hour lunch. We're not providing lunch to everyone's house, but not- we did build in <laughs> an hour lunch into there. Um, and anybody who wants to register can go to our website. Okay. That's just sde.ok.gov. And at the top of the page, you will see a banner you can click on and register for the Awareness Action Summit. Perfect. Well, thank you for the work you do. Thank you for continuing this conversation in Oklahoma for um, all the educators and support staff out there. It is a, a critical conversation that must be ongoing. And, and thank you to the State Department of Education for yes. uh, for the work that you do and the partnership that you have, uh, which is expressed in coming on our on our podcast and and letting us um, letting us highlight and and showcase and get the information out to educators across the state as well. Thank you very much. Yes, I appreciate you so much. And thank you for the work you're doing and sharing this information. And we look forward to seeing everybody on February 15th.
And welcome to Alicia's Morning Announcements. Do, 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 do. All right. Get your calendars out because <laughs> we have some, uh, what did you call them, Joe? Bogo? Be, Bolo. No, Bolo. Be on the lookout. <laughs> But I just shop too much. Buy one, get one. That's what that's what B-O-G-O stands for. Anywho, uh, so that gave you time to get out your calendar there we go. and write down these dates. OEA is uh, hosting a town hall with the Oklahoma State Department of Health on Wednesday, January 27th at 5 o'clock to talk about vaccines yes. and teachers and support staff and when you can get them and how you can get them and and let's all have our devices ready and um and get get on the portal yeah. and sign up can i interject yes um, as your accountability buddy oh for yes. the love of all that is good in this world have you signed up i actually did on martin luther king junior day uh OEA was at the Tulsa March. Yes. And we had to have our cars there by seven o'clock in the morning and the parade didn't start till 11. So you had some free time. So I had a little bit of free time there. <laughs> and, um, and so, uh, Catherine actually had listened to the podcast and is like, have you signed up for the portal yet? And, and I said, no, she's like, <laughs> get it out. Thank so, you. Thank so you. Good. Thanks, thanks to the podcast and my accountability buddies. <laughs> I am now registered. Um, so that is going to be really informative and helpful. I'll bring all the questions. It'll be on, uh, streamed on Facebook live. Uh, so, um, so get on and, uh, and ask questions. They, they're going to take questions from the audience and, um, and we'll monitor them for appropriateness. (laughs) Fact. Uh, so, (laughs) so January 27th, five o'clock. Uh, with the State Department of Health. All right. And then we, so many events. Uh, our OEA vice president and our NEA director, mm-hmm. Shauna Mott Wright, are um, going to be having roundtable discussions. Um, this is, NEA has asked us to do this. Uh-huh. And um, and it is uh, learning beyond COVID, building a just learning transition. And the goal is really to gather input from OEA members as to what they're currently facing and need for successful post-pandemic recovery in public education, talking about equity, family and community engagement, assessments, policies, uh, school systems changes, Mm -hmm. and come with ideas of what your district has done Mm -hmm. that has worked really well. Yeah. Um, NEA reached out and asked us to do this, and they gave us a very short turnaround. That's why it's like coming up next week. Yeah. And um, and they're going to take these ideas, s- go through a synthesis with them, see what some best practices are, and then they're going to present those to the Biden uh, education team. So uh, this is you know this is a new realm of opportunity for us. Yeah. And so um, so. NEA director Shauna Mott Wright is going to head those head those up with Catherine because Catherine's going to bring those ideas back to OEA and yeah. and yeah. we're going to look through those and say hey that you know this is this worked really well let's put this type of policy out so that others might you know look at it and choose what would work well for their district yep so um, that's what partnerships will do for you. Um, and then on February 2nd and February 10th, you have two opportunities for this one as well. 
uh, oh, I don't know if I gave the roundtable dates. The, the roundtable discussions are January 28th and February 4th. Very good. So um, you can find all of this information on our OEA Facebook page and our OEA website. website. Yep. So, um, so if you didn't get it down, uh, then go there okea.org. So uh, moving back to February 2nd and February 10th, we are going to have uh, town hall discussions with Superintendent Hoffmeister. So, uh, you know, about a month ago, uh, I, I was I was on a call with the superintendent and she said, you know, she's really not able to get out and talk with educators like she normally would because right. of the pandemic. Right. And, um, and she knows that that is a piece that's missing. Yeah. And so she, you know, she's like, how is there, how can I, how can I do that? So I said, why don't we host town hall discussion for you? You can, you can talk to folks and then, and then we'll have a question and answer session. And she loved that idea. So, um, so February 2nd and 10th, um, we'll be doing that. You'll register, uh, OEA, anybody can watch it on Facebook live, but only OEA members will be able to ask questions. And, um, and so we'll be gathering information, uh, on what you would like to talk with the superintendent about yeah. over the next, you know, week or so. Bring the questions, bring the stories. Yeah. Again, you know, I'll, you want to lead with your best foot forward. Um, this week I have really been reflecting on, uh, on the inauguration and engagement with government and how we've really got to, we've got to be talking to people at every single level. Yeah. We got to be communicating the situation and what we need and what our kids need. You know, I mean, it's every level, top to bottom, everybody's got to understand what's going on because it looks so different Yeah. right now. Yeah. The discussions I've had with, with my daughter this week and the way she perceives things and, um, and her viewpoint coming up at her age versus, yeah. you know, where I am in my, th I mean, you know, she's amazing in, in what she comes up with. Yeah. Just like your girls. I mean. Uh, my, uh, my kindergartner is about ready to pack it up with kindergarten. She has just about had it, <laughs> but she is, she is so excited to be with her, with her teacher and her classmates this week. She is pumped. She's pumped and ready to, did you guys watch the inauguration? Uh, you and Kenna? I, I watched it. Kenna was at school that day and um, they did not watch it in her class. Uh -huh. uh, she did listen to it with one earbud in and, uh, and, and the other one listening to her teacher. Get <laughs> this, and now for a series of bad classroom practices. <laughs> Can I tell you when I was in fifth grade uh, and I'm, I grew up in Arkansas and Bill Clinton was inaugurated as an Arkansas boy. I yeah, mean, that's a big, that's deal, a big to deal to everybody in our state. And, and I didn't know if we would get to watch it in class, which of course, I'll, you know, most classes do. My, um, my uh, kindergartner watched it in, in their class. Um, but I didn't know that. So I faked sick to stay home and watch the inauguration. I was like, oh, I don't feel well. Secretly, I'm watching C-SPAN. <laughs> so it was a... Because you know, that's a normal, 
you know, God. fifth or sixth grade. I Is can't, that what you were in? I, yeah, I was a fifth grader. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe I turned out this nerdy. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew that was coming? Well, because no matter no matter what your political affiliation, the inauguration of a president is uh, it's a, a big deal it's a big deal can i tell you and also as a fifth grader when watching the parades i distinctly remember seeing this one particular group uh of horses and being like jackpot worth it <laughs> like, <laughs> totally worth staying home oh so sorry mom i lied <laughs> oh man well we want to say thank you so much to Elizabeth Suddeth from the Oklahoma State Department of Education. Thank you also to our own Ellen Pogamiller uh, for joining us today. And thank you for listening to Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Coppernall Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Alicia Priest, president of the OEA. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Fried Okra on Apple Podcasts. You can also contact us at friedokrapodcast at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us again next week. Until then, keep fighting the good fight for public education.